Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray you had a wonderful weekend. I certainly did on the East Coast uh, with the whole team from all over the world of LifeSite News. What a magnificent group of people. It's the first time I've been with them as the group. I was with Station of the Cross some years ago when I was on staff with Catholic Answers, and they are as wonderful. It's the only radio station you need. I'm letting you know that. And LifeSite News, I tell you, we have two of the best apostolates on the earth. That's what I think. Just magnificent team doing fantastic work. Um, I am so pleased. I am so honored to be part of these two apostolates, beloved. So honored. And I tell you what, this is not a fundraising day, but they are worthy of your support. They are worthy of your support. Every single penny goes to spreading the truth of the church. And do we need it in this day? Oy, oy, oy. We need it in this day. We certainly do. And uh, with the Amazon Synod coming up in October, it wasn't, it was part of our discussion, but not a very big one. So many other things going on in the world and so much fantastic work that, um, uh, that the LifeSite is doing. Uh, just tremendous, but I particularly have been focused on the Amazon Synod. We here, I will tell you that, in our community, have been praying daily that it would be canceled. Uh, Of course, you could say, oh, ye of little faith, but I don't think it's going to be canceled. There's an agenda to destroy the church and the family. That is what the Amazon Synod is about. It's an agenda to destroy the church and and the family, and the fact is, everything that's going on is aimed at the family. Everything that's going on is aimed at the destruction of the family, God's design to build his kingdom. The church is not his design to build the kingdom. The family is, because without the family, there is no church. There is no state. There are no vocations. The family is everything. And so that is why our hearts, as our community here, is set on the family. And as Our Lady of Fatima told Lucia, the the, the oldest seer, um, the final battle will be for marriage and the family because it is it is God's design, and that is what uh, uh, I, I for the last at least a hundred years and more. Um, the attack has been on the family, to destroy the family. Um, and if you cannot get in directly, then it's indirectly. And it used to be subtle, but it's no longer subtle. Homosexual uh, uh, lifestyles is to destroy the family. Same-sex marriage is to destroy the family. I once read an article by the uh, homosexuals lobby and all of that, that they're not even interested in marriage. They just want to abolish marriage altogether. You see, I believe that. I believe that. And so, 
um, the whole issue is to destroy the family, which is why our apostolate is for the family to help restore God's design for the family. Is it a fight? My goodness, of course. Um, did Jesus have a fight when he came to earth? Um, everything is, if we are uh, followers of Christ, we are little, that's why we are Christians. It means that we are followers of the Christ. And if we follow him, we follow him to the cross. That doesn't mean that we'll die a martyr's death necessarily. We might in these days, but it means that we are going to be truly, if we live our faith, we are automatically not of the world, not any longer. If we talk like the world, if we dress like the world, if we act like the world, if we partake in unholy things, then we are a disgrace to the name of Christ. And we are turned our back on being his witnesses. We must live as if it's true. As I, I've often said, we must live as if it's true. And to live as if it's true, beloved, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Uh, we should not go out to eat after church on Sunday. You're saying now, Mother Miriam, you're going a little too far. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Sunday is not a day for working. And you say, well, we're not working. We're going out to eat as a family. Well, then go make a picnic in the park because you're making others work. You're the, the waitresses, the wait staff, the, uh, the managers, the restaurant, the chefs, they have to work on Sunday. Well, they don't have to work on Sunday. They choose to work on Sunday. Some of them do. Some of them will lose their jobs if they don't. We need to lead the way. We need to never go into a store on Sunday. No malls, no shopping, no restaurants, not anything. And you say, oh, that's going to make our Sundays miserable. Well, when God told us to come apart and uh, keep Sunday holy and make it a day of rest, he did not intend for us to go to shopping malls and amusement parks and everything that keeps everybody else working. Who are we? We are there to bring the world to Christ, to bring Christ to the world. And how do we do it when we go out to the world on Sunday and make them serve us? That's not good. It's not good. If we withdrew on Sundays and really stayed with our families and make a picnic lunch and go to the park, if you wish, do. But again, we shouldn't go to an amusement park because the weekends is when people do the most business, especially on Sundays. If the world, if the Christian world, and especially the Catholic Christian world, withdrew from all that on Sunday, they wouldn't make a profit, and they would close. They would close on Sunday, and they should, and they should, beloved. So um, we can lead the way. We can be countercultural, and we don't have to be countercultural. We just need to be Christ cultural. We just need to live with for God. We're not countering anything. Uh, we're not countering anything. We're living our faith. And we, we were young and we were practicing our Jewish faith in my home. Um, I never had a thought of countering anything. We were really in the world and not of it. We didn't use that expression, but we didn't even think of it that way. We knew we weren't of it. We knew we were God's people. And we didn't have a counterbone in us. We weren't countering anything. We should have. We should have gone out to evangelize, uh, but we didn't. But we lived our we lived our faith. We lived, and we weren't very orthodox. But there were things that we didn't do. There was food that we didn't eat. There were places we didn't go. 
and the Sabbath Sabbath was the Sabbath. And we didn't counter anything. There wasn't anything negative. We didn't have a sense of fighting anything. We had enormous sense of privilege. Privilege. We were in the world in the midst of this world that didn't know God, and we knew him. And why do we know him? Why are we God's people? We didn't know. I lived from the time I was a little child with a sense of mystery and privilege. I can't tell you my whole family felt that way, but I think they did. I think the Jewish people who really live their faith, they feel that way. They are God's people. They they are chosen. They have a way to live. They're not countering anything. And today, um, again, you can you can hardly tell anybody apart at all, anybody at all, even uh, Orthodox Catholics, even traditionalist Catholics, still go shopping, still go to restaurants, still do those things. I would beg everybody not to. I would beg everyone not to. We've been invited to breakfast on Sunday, all of that by other people, and we always refuse. We always refuse. We say, no, sorry, we we can't make it. We know we don't tell them why. We don't want to come back at them and make them feel bad or guilty. If we, if someone has a conversation and they ask us why, we will tell them why. We will tell them why. So, um, uh, what I, I didn't, I don't know how I got into all that. I never know how I get into everything. I think it was because of the beautiful weekend I had with LifeSite News, their whole staff, um, and um, it was just magnificent. And and there's an example of of being in the world and not of it. I cannot speak for the lives of every one of their staff because they're all over the country and all over the world. Um, but they honor God. So pleased to be a part of them and Station of the Cross. Uh, uh, you may know I was put off uh, relevant radio. It's not a secret. And... Um, I, you know, um, there there were times I was censored, not just on Relevant, but other stations. I wanted to say certain things, and they called me and they said, you know, maybe you could find a different way to say it, or or you don't have to say those things. So they said, just be yourself. Well, I couldn't be myself, because nothing is more important today than the truth. And with the Station of the Cross, I would ask him after the program, was that okay with you that I said that? They said, absolutely, Mother. We need that today. It's true, you see. So, um, And LifeSite News is the same. So I am honored, I am thrilled, and I'm thrilled to be with you, beloved. Uh, we were talking um, last week uh, that on the two pre-recorded programs I did, going through Father Hardin's um, article on the family. And I don't, I think I lost my place, but I'm going to start here with Christian family, the Christian marriage, the foundation of the family. And that's what it is. That's why um, uh, LGBTQ and uh, uh, everything is, is against um a man and a woman. That's what God gave. There's no other design for marriage. Anyone can come together in what they call marriage, marriage, but it's not a marriage. If it's not one man and one woman, then it's not a marriage. Um, I read uh, a magazine on the way uh, back on the plane yesterday, and um, it it was just sick. It, uh, 
I don't know that I'll ever bring this magazine or or article up on the ra- on the radio. It's too um, debased. It's it's Satan himself wrote it, and it's to do away with everything, to do away with marriage, to do away with parents raising their children. That everybody should be free to do everything, and you know maybe live in a commune, and and children um, can be. Uh, involved in the sexual practice from as early as they want, four or five years old, and every type, and ten people together, it it made me ill. I'm sorry to even tell you these things. Not that you don't know them, but it's it's it makes me ill to even say them. Just complete destruction, complete destruction of society, and that's what they're aiming for, beloved. And I I ask you to pray. I would love for the Amazon Synod to be canceled, something to happen, that it's canceled. We're still praying for that every day, whether or not it's realistic. That's up to God to know what's realistic. Um, And uh, Mother Angelica used to say, unless you pray for the ridiculous, God won't do the impossible. Um, It's uh, LifeSite News is going to have a team in Rome and have a roundtable, have a conference with top, top, top people. just prior to that Amazon Synod. And if they send out petitions uh, to you to do different things or uh, Station of the Cross and others um, to to send messages to certain people, I I beg you to to respond to those. We never know. You know that it was Edmund Burke, and I don't really know who he was. I know his name some years ago that said that the only... Um, thing necessary for evil to persist is for good men to remain silent. And when you support with your prayers, with your finances, and with signing these magnificent holy petitions uh, that are sent to bishops, when you are a part of that, you are not keeping silent because you're making life sight your voice through print, through programs, through podcasts, through media, Station of the Cross, the same thing. You can't get to the hundreds of thousands of people that these two magnificent organizations get to. I can't get to. Who can get to them? But they can through um, through the media. Millions of people, millions of people, beloved. And um, you're a part of that. You're a part of that. So I beg you, I think as... The Synod, Synod, which is scheduled for October, I think it begins on the 6th of October and goes for the good part of the month. Um, I don't know what's going to be coming up from Catholic apostolates, but um, but I would say be part of it. Don't sit back and say it won't matter. Be part of it. Be part of it because um, there's going to be a remnant. There's going to be a remnant. The Synod is aimed to change the church, and some bishops have said that the church will not be the same after the synod. Um, uh, it, it, it's they're aiming to destroy the church, um, and just to achieve this one-world religion. Uh, all religions the same. All of that that God has willed all religions. Well, He has not. Nobody would be, or few would be very so foolish to say in the Old Testament as God um, set a people apart for his name through Abraham that he willed all religions because if that were the case, then the golden calf would have been just fine for the Israelites to make. 
um, they could have bowed down before that. What's the big problem? But no, absolutely not. Nobody in the Old Testament would say God um, uh, willed all those pagan religions. Absolutely not. What they willed is for his people formed through Abraham to be a light to the nations, um, to be a peculiar people in the midst of a pagan world and shine a light to the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what they willed, you see. And uh, it's the same with uh, Catholicism, which is the flower of Judaism. It is the flower of Judaism. Catholicism is Judaism fulfilled in its Messiah and spread to the four corners of the earth. God has willed nothing else, nothing else. The Catholic Church is the only means of salvation. It has the only Savior of the world who died for the whole world to come to the Father through the Son. And it is the Son who gave the Catholic Church. He gave no other religion. It is other religions are due to the fact that people have turned from the true God, turned from the religion God gave, and they formed their own. That's where other religions come from. But God never willed them, and he didn't form them. So um, the family is the key, beloved. The family is the key. So I'll read now. The Christian family, the foundation of the family, uh, Christian marriage, rather, the foundation of the family by Father John Harden, who is now venerable and up for canonization. And he says, most people do not realize that until the dawn of Christianity, the family did not exist in the pagan world until the dawn of Christianity. In the Roman Empire, into which Christ was born, the um, contraception was universal. There were no laws prohibiting abortion. Infanticide was commonplace. Marriage was essentially cohabitation. No single word in the Western world took on a more changed meaning than the Latin term familia, which in English is the family. Among the Romans, familia was a household of servants founded by a man with his wives and concubines. What the family now means among believing Christians who are loyal to Jesus Christ is a group of persons who are related by marriage and who typically include a father, mother, and children. In the mind of the church, the family is the foundation of this of society, and that means it's in God's mind. The family is the foundation of society. It is no exaggeration, Father Hardin says, to say that the family is the seedbed of hope. It is the seedbed of hope in eternal life, for which families here on earth are the precondition and necessary preparation. Parents can see their children now in time to teach them there is a heavenly eternity to hope for and train them to pay the price of reaching heaven in the world to come. To pay the price. How does one pay the price? By honoring God in all that we do. By honoring God in all that we do. Um, Hold on a minute now. Um, uh, 
Okay. You know what? I lost... I didn't number the pages, and so I think I may have lost my... Let me just... Um, uh, okay, here we go. Families are made for heaven. We are so accustomed to speaking of families in terrestrial terms on earth that we may have to do some violence to our thinking to say that families are really made for heaven. Beloved, every soul is made for heaven. There is not a soul, now I'm not reading, there is not a soul on earth that is not made for heaven. God made us in his image and likeness to live with him forever. Every single soul. And we're born through the family. That's what the purpose is. Not all of us are born through the family, but that that's God's intention because that becomes our home, this side of earth, to prepare us for our home in heaven. Um, this is the clear teaching of divine revelation and should be the towering goal of our earthly desires. We are destined to be reunited as families in that heavenly Jerusalem which the voice of God told St. John, quote, you see this city? Here God lives among men. He will make his home with them. They shall be his people. He will be their God. That's Revelation chapter 21. We are destined to be reunited as families in that heavenly Jerusalem, um, which the voice of God told St. John what I just read. Home on earth is where families begin and grow, but home in heaven is where families are meant finally to arrive, where God will wipe away all tears from our eyes, where there will be no more death or family bereavement and no more mourning or sadness. The world of the past will have gone, and what we now call the future will be an everlasting present in the company of those whom we have loved on earth, never again to be separated from them for all eternity. It's so good. Uh, it, It seems like a fairy tale, doesn't it? Doesn't it? But that is reality. That's more reality than anything we have on earth, beloved. Father Father Hardin goes on to say the family, the foundation of our faith. St. Paul again tells us that faith comes from hearing. Someone who already believes professes the faith in word or action. And others receive the faith from God, of course, but through the one who believes. This is the ordinary course of divine providence. Only believers reproduce other believers. And I tell you, beloved, that was true for me. Uh, From my Jewish background, I saw what I thought were very troubled people, these Jews for Jesus initially. And I said, well, they are troubled, troubled people. And I got together with them because I was going to write my brother David back in New York who told me there was such a specimen on earth, such a creature on earth, and I was going to write and say, David, you're not going to believe this. They really exist out here. I was going to mock them. But I I was first horrified by learning what they believe about Christ as Jews. And then I was blown away by the fact that, 
that I knew that what they lived for is what they would die for. I saw it happen. I saw it happen in their witness. None of them died while I was there, but I saw it happen in their witness. It was one day they had a big Jews for Jesus van and they picked me up in it. I thought I would die. I, I just slunk down be, below the windows. I couldn't believe I was in a Jews for Jesus van and they picked me up in such a thing. Oh, and they took me to a conference. Um, and on the way back from the conference, hundreds and hundreds of people, and on the way back, we were going back to the van, and the at the back of the van, uh, there the hood was open in the back of the van, and um, they figured it had been tampered with, so they went to see what was wrong, and I went with them, and I remember one of them, uh, Mitch Glazer, some of you may know him, uh, who was the head of uh, Jews for Jesus in Los Angeles at the time. He said, no, no, not you, not you, Roslyn, my, Roslyn was my name at the time. He said, no, not you. We know where we're going. You don't. And I was astounded. If the, they blew, if the band blew up, if there was a bomb in there and they got killed, that was, that was okay for them, but not for me because I don't know where I'm going yet, heaven or hell. I was, that was an instant reaction. They didn't have time to think about it. I was blown away by that, not by the bomb, but by their faith. And I knew they were serious, right or wrong. They were serious enough to give their lives. There's our break, music, beloved. Call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We'll be right back. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in excerpts from A Prayer to Our Lady by St. Alphonsus Liguori. Most Holy Virgin Immaculate, my Mother Mary, to you who are the Mother of my Lord, I, who am the most miserable of all sinners, have recourse this day. Forsake me not until you see me safe in heaven, there to bless you and sing of your mercies through all eternity. Such is my hope. Amen. Love learning more about the Church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our Church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. The Station of the Cross offers online tutorials to help you get the most out of your iCatholic radio app. You'll be introduced to our latest features and the opportunities available for not only listening to our live stream, but also to a variety of podcasts of our shows, prayers, and special presentations. For these tutorials and more, click on the iCatholic radio link located on the Stations page of our website, thestationofthecross.com.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and we're going to be taking your calls and emails, and again, uh, with anything on your heart, uh, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. It does not need to be any subject we're on, Um, and you may call in anonymously or text or email. The toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Com. We have Nicole on the line. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Mother. Hi. I'm glad you called in. I can okay, hear you I'm fine. Okay, I'm making sure you hear me. Okay, I do, I'm in the, what, All right. <laughs> yes, I was calling because my family is relocating to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, and we are not, nice. Yes, uh, we are not Catholic yet, but we are looking to enter our CIA. Oh, and we wow. are looking, yes, and I've uh, began homeschooling my kids, and we wow. are headed in that, we're headed in that path. You're going to have to say hello, Nicole, you know, I'm still here, this is wonderful. <laughs> we will. <laughs> um, and so, why I was calling you is, I was looking for your recommendations, we're looking for a cathedral or a parish that is in the traditional you know, has a traditional mass and a reverent mass. And I've got it, Nicole. It's the one we go to. Okay, I got it's most. Okay. All right, if you got a pencil, most precious I blood. Do. That's it. Most okay. precious blood parish. Um, I think it's on the Fifty Seventh Street. It's the Twenty First Exit, Twenty First Street Exit off the Two Forty Four. But in any case, Most okay. Precious Blood Parish. The pastor is Father Define D for David E F for Frank I N E. He will welcome you. He will instruct you in the faith. It is a magnificent parish with lots of children. So, um, Great. do you have children? I do. I have three children, uh, wow. eleven and twelve year old, and a three year old. And F- fantastic! You know, we're all we're all we're all doing this together as a family. So. Oh, this is too good. I I would love to be an hour on the phone with you to to know how this happened. But it's <laughs> so fabulous. When you come here, Nicole, be sure to to say hi. Okay, and, I will. And, or at least I I'll will. we'll meet we'll meet you one day one Sunday at the parish. That would be just great. But that's your parish that's here in Tulsa. God bless you. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks for your call, sweetheart. Right. And we have another call from Nellie on the line. Hi, Nellie. Hello. Good morning, Blessed Mother. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I wish I were Blessed Mother. This is nice. But no, I'm not her. There's only one Blessed Mother. Go ahead, sweetheart. It's a blessing to you. I know it. I'm playing with you, Nellie. I'm so sorry. I'm playing with you. For sure, we have uh, Derek's mother, the mother of all mothers, right? Uh, That's right. Go ahead with your question, uh, dear. Yes, sweetheart. uh, It's nice to to have you back, and, uh, and thanks for those great programs, which have been all issues I've been pursuing with my priest uh, from dressing modestly and the Eucharist and, Good. and the reverence in Good. church mother. It's just heart-wrenching uh, that it I've is. been after priest to uh, to correct this, to demand it, not just because sometimes 
He needs to teach, not just a man. He he could put a sign outside, that's for sure, just like the Vatican has on proper dress. But he needs to teach about it as well. He he shouldn't be shy. It's a matter of of teaching and honoring our Lord. Well, exactly, Mother. It's not just one or two uh, uh, priests I find. It's just almost they are are so weak, uh, maybe in their own faith and belief. And uh, it sometimes, you know, makes it... um, uh, And for me, actually... I have two great priests. I'm the Lebanese Catholic that sent you that long email you read. Okay, Nellie, I wondered if you were her. (laughs) Good, Nellie. But let me ask you if you have a question, Nellie. The question is, with all these things coming up from the changes from Vatican down, uh, I have this question with my priests. For me personally, yes, we have to follow the uh, Pope, the bishops, uh, our leaders. We follow them as long as they speak the truth. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Scripture, follow me as I follow Christ. The moment that any leader, any prelate does not follow Christ, we don't follow them in that matter. This is what I questioned uh, some of the priests. Um, uh, And this is a very, very beloved, really good priest, uh, 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 God-abiding, fearing priest. Uh, but I think there is such a confusion in uh, who to follow. But at the end, shouldn't this really just come down to God's word, like just what you recited there, versus following man? Because for me, if it's an error to not... Uh, you don't follow obey, it. You don't follow... Nelly, uh, it, it's simply this. We don't follow a man. We don't follow a priest, even if he's a holy martyr. We don't follow a priest. We don't follow a bishop. We don't follow a pope. We don't follow men. We respect their office and we come under them again as long as they're speaking the truth. We need to know our faith. But what we're doing is following Christ through them. And if they no longer are following Christ in what they teach, we follow Christ. That's That's what the Apostle Paul said. that is what I expressed, and I was told, well, that is very much like the Protestantism uh, ideology. of the, And I said, no, well, I'm going to, at the end, stand in front of God, and he's going to ask me, you knew my words. Why did you obey? That's right. We're and each of me, us accountable. That's absolutely exactly. right, Nellie. And, oh, and when, mother, we spe- uh, when we speak to the priest, Nellie, if a priest doesn't understand, doesn't believe, doesn't have the courage... Uh, is apathetic, whatever, afraid, whatever it is, uh, our, our heart should, yes, we follow Christ, but not in defiance. A heart should never be angry against the priest. It should always aim for his conversion. Always have a heart for the conversion of the priest. And we, when we speak with him as a true sheep, um, with humility, with love, steadfastness, but humility and love um, and kindness. And he sees the strength of our faith that's not mixed with pride or trying to, to put him down. Uh, it may lead to his conversion, and that should be our goal. Most definitely, but these are not those kinds of priests. We're talking about priests that are very strong in their own faith and belief, but it's from the confusion that's coming up from the higher-ups. Uh, that they, uh, you know, like, I don't know if they're a little bit on scared or intimidated for... We need to give them the courage. We need to give them... Yeah, but any priest, it's up to the Holy Spirit in them. Um, 
any priest, Nellie, uh, I gave a conference in the West Indies once. The priest hadn't, there was no confessional at the church, and he was afraid. And after that conference, he got up there and said, we're building confessionals. We're going to have confession available every day from now on. He, he was totally transformed, and the Holy Spirit did that. So it, it, it's always, always possible. We need to live our faith, Nellie. God bless you, sweetheart. There's our break, and um, we'll be back with you all very soon. God bless you. In the privacy of their own cars or in the quiet of their own homes, listeners tune in and learn the truths of the Catholic faith, coming to a greater understanding of and a deeper love for Christ and His Church. Consider donating stock to the Station of the Cross to help us in our mission to bring the joy of the gospel to countless listeners. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's 1-877-888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Uh, this is Mother Miriam Live, and we have over 15 minutes together, and that's lots of time for anybody who wishes to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can text at that toll-free number as well. Um, we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother. Our parish currently has no permanent pastor as we are short of priests in our diocese. 
the bishop has appointed us an administrator priest for a while and um, until we have a permanent one. We have adoration in our parish certain times in the month. The priest is not available for the exposition or benediction of the adoration. Extraordinary, extraordinary ministers of communion do the setup and breakdown of it. We did have benediction when we had a priest. We now open and close with praises and song. The current administrator priest allows us to do this. Are we in abuse of the laws of the church? Should I not attend adoration until we have a priest available to do this? Thank you. You know, I'd have to see what the laws of the church are on this. Uh, I don't know, but if I had the time right now, it's very easy for you to look it up. The laws of the church. Go to uh, catholic.com. Go to uh, 1 Peter 5. um, uh, Just look up uh, laws uh, for uh, adoration and and do a search on that. But the fact is, I would say no. Um, If you have no priest to expose the Blessed Sacrament and repose him, I would say absolutely not. Lay people should not be involved in that. Absolutely not. Um, And so it means that if you do not have um, uh, a priest available to do that, then you don't have adoration. Unless, of course, um, there's 24-7 adoration, and you have a chapel with a locked door, and you could just have our Lord up all the time, exposed all the time, but then you have, you need uh, people to to be there twenty four seven. So that's something you can you can try for in order to have exposition again. But only the priest should remove our Lord from the tabernacle, and only the priest should repose him. Um, I would say, in the absence of a priest, a deacon can do that, but nobody else. Okay. Um, we have an email from Dolores <clears throat> who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I heard your program last week where you read from a little handbook. I believed it was called Modeling Modesty. You mentioned two different websites, but they do not exist anymore. You know what? I've gotten other, um, I've gotten other notes on that where people have, um, oh, hold on a minute. I just did something wrong. Where people have been, um, trying to get a hold of that booklet, Dolores, and they find the websites don't exist anymore. I've had it for a few years, and I didn't even check to see if the websites were current. Um, She's been searching online, she says, but I've had no luck. I've had a chance to hear your podcast since, um, so I'm unsure if you mentioned anywhere else that I could find it. Do you know of anywhere else, or have any of your other listeners found it somewhere? I have a daughter... She's only one. (laughs) This is good preparation. (laughs) I have a daughter. She's only one. But I would love to get a hold of a copy and use it with my children. Um, And, of course, with the children always begins with the mother following it. Thank you, mother, for all you do. My family loves you very much. Well, God bless you. All right. Now, here's the book. I have a copy right with me. And I think if I I hold it up, um, you'll be able to see it. So it's modeling... um, Modeling Modesty Handbook. It's just, it's, it's lovely and it's simple and it has quotes from 
uh, all the popes. Um, it discusses uh, quotes from the saints, uh, from uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, um, John Chrysostom, uh, Pope John Paul II, Pope Pius Twelfth. all of that. It's really wonderful, and I've given out the full information that's printed on the back. But the third one is www.lily-maiden.blogspot.com. I don't know that I gave that out, but I just now looked up um, the Modeling Modesty Handbook, <clears throat> Handbook, and there is a site, and it says, I'm going to give you this, but it's from, I think, 2010, so this might not be available. To request a copy of the Modeling Modesty Handbook, email me at lilymaiden at sbcglobal.net. Now, that's more personal. So I'll give it because she's got it on the internet. I think I can give it to you. Um, it's Lily, L-I-L-Y, and of course, no spaces in between. Lily, L-I-L-Y, Maiden, M-A-I-D-E-N, at S-B-C, S-A-M-B-Boy, C-Charles, sbcglobal.net. And again, no spaces. Um I hope that will help. Uh, maybe some of you could see if that works and and email me um, through the Station of the Cross. Let me know if you found a source for it. Um, if it's out of print, I'd be willing for us to reprint this. Uh, if I need anyone's permission, it's too, this is, was printed in 2010. And so it says, do not reprint any part of this work without permission. So hopefully we can get permission. If it's never been reprinted, uh, we may have the rights to do to reprint it. So we'll, maybe some of you out there could take a look for that and see. And I'm, I'm letting you know now we are willing to reprint this book uh, if the copyrights are available and nobody else has reprinted it. Um, <clears throat> we have um, John from Kentucky on the line. Hello, John. Good morning, Mother. Good morning, um, you dear were talking one. Just, uh, you were talking just a little bit about um, adoration and yes. exposition. Of, uh, in, in a, and uh, when I was in a, uh, a church in California, they used to have um, something that they would call a communion service. And right. Are you familiar with that? But I certainly am, because I went, to, I went to the Novus Order for years, and uh, there's a communion service. And so, yes, when the priest isn't there, uh, it's supposed to be the deacon uh, who can do a communion service, not a mass, not consecrate hosts. Only the priest can do that. But if there are sufficient hosts consecrated, then they have a communion service. And I think that's legitimate. Well, it wasn't always by a deacon. <clears throat> well, then Sometimes I can't answer. it was. Mm-hmm. A lay person. So, so I would that say wouldn't no. be... I wouldn't say. I, I can't imagine that's legitimate. It shouldn't be. Okay. Well, now, that's what I thought. No, John. But, you know, I'd have to look up canon law on that. You could probably find it in the, the GERM, G-I-R-M, the General Instruction of the Roman Missal. General Instruction of the Roman Missal, and that's online. You could read the whole thing. So just do a search for communion service, um, and it okay, will tell I you. Will. Yeah, I think the latest edition of that... It was 1983, I think. But um, 
uh, I would say uh, nobody should ever do a communion service, only the deacon. Yes, and then sometimes religious and people go up and give a little homily that was, you know, not, you know, a statement and read something. No. Zero. Okay. Absolutely not. I will look. That's becoming a Protestant service. Yeah, that's a Protestant service already. No way. Only the priest is to go. A priest or deacon, that's it. No one else gives a homily. Well, they would read something, you know. No, they're making up their own mass, their own communion service. No. No. I agree. Okay. Okay. I was just interested. All right. God bless you, Mother. You too, John. Thanks for calling in. We have an email from Marion who writes, Mother, thank you for your direction in the faith. Some questions are so simple, I'm embarrassed to ask. Let me interrupt, Marion. I don't know what you're about to ask, but there is no question that is too simple, no question that's too obvious, no question anyone should be embarrassed to ask. Our Lord wants us to become as little children. And I have questions that I say, oh my goodness, I'm going to expose my ignorance if I ask it. Let me expose my ignorance. We're children. It's quite all right. You're just too sweet. And she says, the neocatechumenate way has been the way God has brought me back into the church and has totally changed my life. In fact, has given me a life with him. My worry is that it does not seem to be interested in the way the Pope, some bishops, some bishops and priests are behaving at this critical time. Also, when we celebrate Mass, we receive our Lord in both species. Um, the bread is made as the bread of the Old Testament unleavened, and we receive him in the hand and wait until the whole community receives, um, then we consume together. That's a Protestant practice. It's not Catholic. Please, could you give me an answer as to if this is acceptable? I know that this is in the statutes of the way and has been passed by all popes since Paul VI. Thank you, Mother. You know what? Um, I... Oh dear, I I don't think it's been passed by all popes since Paul VI. I don't know where you've gotten that information. I do not believe that the new catechumen way is in communion with the church, dear one. I don't believe they're in communion with the church. Their practice is not acceptable. Um, I'd have to take time and look that up. Again, go ahead to 1 Peter 5, catholic.com, uh, just type in uh, in a, on a search engine, new neo catechumenate way, um, uh, in a search engine, I do not believe they're in communion with the church. If they have brought you back into the church and and been a tremendous source for you, loving God and being Catholic, I praise God for that. But you need to move on now. You need to go uh, move away from them or help them and um, help them by moving away and telling them why that you want to be in communion with the church and their practice is not legitimate at all. You don't treat the Holy Eucharist that way by holding our Lord in your hand until everybody has received. That's, uh, it's a sacrilege. It's not right. So, um, and I, I, I don't know what else they teach that's not right, but I do not believe they're in good standing with the church, Marion. So thank God for them. 
just as I thank God and will for all eternity for um, John MacArthur and the, uh, the the pastors and the people that brought me to Christ. I will be forever grateful. But when I found out the truth, I had to move on and become Catholic. And um, I pray for them to this day. So uh, I, I, I know it might be a little heartbreaking for you, but God has at least brought you far enough to ask that question. And uh, you need to move on, sweetheart, and not be part of them. We have an email from Brenda. I've missed hearing your voice. Hold on now. Um, every day on the radio, I'm still in awe that a day, I'm still in awe of that day a couple of years ago at an Elevate conference here in Phoenix of the radio hosts with people in line to see and talk. I looked over at you and realized by far, yours was the longest line, oh my goodness, um, extending almost the length of the aisle. Hold on a minute. And around the back, so amazing. <laughs> I've never measured lines. I have a question that I've asked it to several apologists, but never received an answer beyond, I'll have to look into that and get back to you. But they never get back to me. Well, beloved, let me hear your question. Um, I know we're coming at the end of the show. I may have to get back to you, too. Let me give it a try. Church says that souls in purgatory pray for those of us on earth and vice versa. Can souls in purgatory pray for each other? Um, I don't, you know what? Uh, I don't, let me read the rest. I don't see why not. I've been told so. Souls in purgatory cannot pray for each other and don't know who dies let alone who else is in purgatory. But if this is the case, then how would a soul in purgatory know to stop praying when a person dies? Um, uh, if they continue praying after a person dies and that person goes to purgatory, wouldn't the soul then be praying for another soul? You know what? It makes sense to me. I have never read that either. Um, I don't know that I've never even seen it. But again, go to Catholic.com. They're the most outstanding apologetics organization in the world. Um, and they, they, sh- they should certainly be able to get the answer for you. I'd be interested to look this one up myself. But I, the souls in purgatory, uh, whether they have so-called purgatorial fellowship with anybody else is beside the point. They pray for the souls on earth. And what if they're praying for me? on earth and I die and go to purgatory it wouldn't make sense that they would stop praying for me so um, I can't say yes officially but it certainly makes sense to me I'm sorry that I can't do any better than that God bless you and God bless all of you uh, and we'll speak with you tomorrow